Well, greetings and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 27 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity and life and mission. We have the honor again once a day to be with our friend uh, Dick Foth on Back Channel with Foth. Dick, we're so glad to have you with us. My joy, Aaron. And so today we're going to jump into a, a question that um, Dick and I were talking about before we started recording. And uh, man, it's a uh, an important one and one that a listener sent in and I think will we'll speak to all of us. Dick, the listener wrote in, what can, what can I do to avoid, what can we do to avoid cynicism towards leadership and colleagues and life in Africa? You know, years ago, Aaron, I spoke with a longtime uh, West African missionary who said this, if you want fair, you're on the wrong planet. There's only <laughs> one. There's, there's only one person who is fair. Yeah. And the, the way to avoid cynicism, especially in difficult circumstances, is, um, is not easy. Yeah. When I was a college president for 14 years, the economics of that situation were very challenging. Hmm. And the, the kinds of divisions you find in structures, oftentimes, between, quote, administration, faculty, staff, uh, donors, I mean, just goes on and on and on. The possibility for pitfalls is enormous. <laughs> and uh, I, think, I think the passage in Philippians 4 really helps me. And again, I like Philippians yeah. uh, because it's practical. I'm just going to read a few verses. For sure. <clears throat> Philippians 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And this is just Paul wrapping up this letter. We have it in verses and chapters, but those weren't around for 1,500 years after Jesus. Okay? This is what he says. They have a staff problem. Yeah. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Hmm. We had one of our faculty members at the college where I was who talked about these folks as odious and sin-touchy. So <laughs> I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. There's that same mind piece. Yeah. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the Book of Life. So there's a snag. There's some situation. And he's appealing to his friends to lean into it, as we say today. And then he goes on to give the, the, the uh, kind of attitude that's important. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll hmm. say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness, there's a key word, gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And I hmm. don't know if that just means near now in terms yeah. of present or he's coming. Do not be anxious about anything in every situation by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God, and peace shows up as the guard to your heart. Hmm. Talking about cynicism, I need my heart guarded because yeah. if I get brittle, if I have hardening of the categories, everybody's dead. Yeah. That's how that works. And then he goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think about such things. I think the only way to avoid cynicism is to look for something to say that's positive, hmm. something to think that's positive. Maybe not just about that situation, maybe about the larger whole, because if, if we cannot 
um, work over time with the people with whom we are invested, then we think we need to think some deeper thoughts about what the future holds. But don't just sit there and stir the pot. That's yeah. not going to help you at all. Yeah. Right. And, and so if, as far as finding the, the, the positive thoughts or thinking something positive, do you, does that need to be a specific thing or is that just a, a mindset thing of looking for the positive and, and how, you know, Dick, I think the thing is, is it's just easier to go to cynicism, right? It's easier to criticize. It's easier to go that direction. So it takes more effort, I would think, to be positive. Is that, would you agree well, with that? Well, it's, it's the human condition, right? Yeah. I mean, my, my default, my default in most situations as a human being is fear hmm. and blame. Hmm. Read Genesis 3, yeah. the first confrontation, yeah. and we go to blame. I, not, not me. I was the, like the snake. You know, what, <laughs> and, and, and so it's, it, the, the challenge is oftentimes I get cynical when I feel I have no power, hmm. when I feel that I don't have leverage or a voice or a yeah. seat at the table, yeah. any of those things. My power is found outside of myself, in Jesus himself, and with friends yeah. who help walk me through stuff. Yeah. So I yeah. think my answer to your question about is it an attitude or a specific yeah. is yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There's wisdom, um, wisdom from Dick Foth. And so it is something, you know, uh, I've in my life and um, you're, you're far away. And you said about being a college president, you have donors and there's there's easy ways to fall into that. But being far away, a lot of times um, we don't know. And uh, one of my we talked to one the other episode about devotional. One of my devotionals, it was said there's leaders know something you don't know. And um, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I think a lot of times that's where my cynicism will rise is um, I think that I know it all. And, uh, and then you can become cynical about the, the people you work with, the organization you're in, and, and, and all of those different things. So yes. anyway, appreciate it very much. Well, Dick, the great answer to a question that um, some people don't even want to touch. And so we appreciate you. Well, we're going to go ahead and jump into our conversation today with Lisa Potter. We, when we discuss the growth area, growth capacity of leadership intelligence, we sit down with Lisa. She leads Women Who Lead in the Potomac Network, which is the network that I'm from. Learned a lot from her about um, being a sponsor and just how I found as doing these podcasts that females um, are a lot better than guys. It was sharing friends and encouraging and um, and uh, sharing and being a sponsor, trying to pe put people in places and help people be in places and bring them to the table. We talk about her past experiences in ministry and what she's excited to and for looking forward to the future. So there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings. It's so exciting to be back today on another episode of the Clarity Podcast. I am here with Lisa Potter. And um, Lisa and I have known each other from a distance, um, but I think this is probably the first conversation we've ever sat down and had. So Lisa, will you go ahead and introduce yourself um, to, the, to the listeners? 
Oh, thanks, Aaron. I'm really honored to be here with you today. And uh, I actually heard you share at one of our youth conventions a really interesting story about um, snakes around your legs. So that's, it. Uh, <laughs> that's my memory of you at this moment <laughs> because I really hate snakes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so you're my hero. And uh, anyone who could go and do that and walk through that place, I'm sure I would have gone right running very quickly. Uh, so um, that's my memory of you. Good deal. <laughs> Good sitting, deal. Yeah, yeah. But and, I'm um, Lisa Potter, and um, my, I guess my formal title is the Executive Director of Women Who Lead at Potomac Ministry Network. But um, I don't, I see myself more as a wife to Frank, a mom to Lindsay and Andrew. We have two children, grown children. Uh, Lindsay's a worship leader at one of our churches in near DC. She's a worship pastor and um, a business type of girl. And yeah, she's got a lot of things. She has a master's degree in public policy and wow. she just is one of those. Yeah, she's got a political bent to her and all of that. But, and Andrew, our son is kind of the, the, freelancer kid he asked me when he was little um how much money would i make if i just wanted to have fun and i told him <laughs> i said andrew you're gonna have to figure that out buddy and he's done it uh they live in a little place called bishop california he's a writer okay. a true blue writer he writes every day he's a copy editor he does some website design he works for himself. He gets up early in the morning. He's an early bird. And then he takes his mat and he goes out and hikes and goes bouldering and rock climbing. And wow. silly kid sends me pictures of this stop. And I try to tell him I don't want to see him hanging from rocks. <laughs> but he, <laughs> wow. But he does it. And then he has a beautiful wife, Allison, that truly they're soulmates because she climbs and rocks with, you know, climbs with him and she's she's just in for anything and so they make a great pair um no grandchildren yet but i do have a grand dog a golden retriever named brady and i we share him with our daughter lindsay she lives in the city we live out a little bit in northern virginia so he has a city house and a country house and we keep him a week and she keeps him a week wow, and it works out cool. well yeah. but he's two years old um good to you i see myself i think aaron as um in my life and leadership as a bridge builder and a grace giver. Hmm. Um, I've needed a lot of grace in my life to overcome hardship. Um, and God has been good to give it to me. I'm one of those girls that I say, I holler, I shout out to God a lot more grace today, Lord, hmm. because I just need it. And um, a bridge builder, because I feel like I'm an in-betweener. There's a there's a great quality of leaders who are before me, but there's an amazing group coming after me. And mm. I feel like my job is to bridge build between the two, connect them and uh, raise up this next generation of women leaders. Wow. So that's, that's, that's kind of me. Yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> We normally begin the podcast, one of the first questions, we've learned that audiences learn more from our challenges and the things we've overcome more than we do 
a list of victories, if that makes sense. You know, a, a yeah. difficult time or something that you've grown and you talked about grace giver and, and needing God's grace. Is there a story or a, a ministry or however you'd like to take it where you um, you faced a challenge and you went through mm-hmm. that and what God taught, taught you and you learned through the process? Oh, yeah. So I have so many stories. I was like, wow, <laughs> what would I say? Where do I start? Um, you know, like I've, I'm a cancer survivor two times. Mm. Um, my, you know, my, my brother died, a, you know, in India on a missions trip, a terrible, like, there's just grief. There's, there's a ton of stories, but it, that I've, I've had to walk through a journey of health problems, um, uh, grief, but in life and leadership, one of the ones that came to me as I was thinking about this question was, um, I struggled early on in ministry with kind of burnout, depression. We had made several quick transitions. We were young. We were lead pastors. And um, it was a huge two-year challenge for me that prayer just didn't work to Mm. get me through it. I had to take practical steps Mm. to um, become a more healthy leader. Um, and that included counseling. It included, um, medication. I don't struggle with depression, but I struggled for two years with it. And through that journey, I learned a lot about myself and it made me, it propelled me into a new level of leadership because, I realized through counseling that I needed to make a lot of changes if Hmm. this was going to be something, this call that God had on my life, if I, if I was going to have the stick to itness to do it, Hmm. I needed to make changes in my life and ministry. And one of those huge changes I made was I started to pay attention to my soul, Hmm. my inner man, I feel like we're made up of the inner and the outer man. And, you know, that outer self, we give a lot of attention to because it it gets the applause of man. But we neglect that inward self where God really wants to speak to us and bring health to our soul. And the inner man is that place, that inner person where um, we can easily keep things hidden you know, bad attitudes, our thoughts, um, things like that. And, and that, had, that was something that propelled me into this place of unhealthiness mm. that caused this two-year um, burnout depression. Um, and then one more challenge that I had in ministry came recently. Uh, you know, I was that girl that Frank met in Bible college, and I said, uh, hey, I was like, I have... Um, no desire to marry a pastor. I'm called into ministry. And are you called into ministry? Because I'm going to be doing ministry regardless if somebody comes alongside me to do ministry right. with me. I like was one of those girls I knew I was called. And not seeing many examples of women in leadership, I wasn't sure how that would look. And so about eight years ago, we had spent our life pastoring for 27 years and 20 of those years was in a place in Southern Virginia near Richmond, Virginia. And it truly became the home of my heart. I um, 
my ministry grew there personally. I, I worked alongside of Frank to build this ministry, this church that we were in, this community, love the people. But personally, I felt like I was in a sweet spot. And then my husband gets voted in at one of our network conferences um, to take a district position. And I remember leaning over to him at that moment and saying, like, does this mean we have to leave our church? Yeah. And it took us totally by surprise. And he was like, we'll figure that out later. You know, we were both <laughs> like, what does this mean? And um, so when we moved, it was the first place in ministry together that I realized he had been voted into this position and it didn't mean anything for me. Mm. I couldn't come alongside of him. So I went through another growing spurt, another huge two year, probably challenge in my ministry that um, move. And I started to assess my motives because I felt sad and I felt depressed because I wasn't up in front of people anymore. And, you know, I was going with him to when he would speak at churches and I kind of felt like the homecoming queen, you know, he'd yeah. say, this is my wife and I'd stand and I'd wave and my life just looked completely different. But through that, I realized that as leaders, I'll just speak transparently, transparently today. I don't know how others will receive this, but I think we can become addicted to being upfront. Hmm. And the Lord took me through this time of being, um, you know, kind of sheltered in his presence. And um, I started to do another soul assessment of myself. And the scripture that I loved during this time was in Luke 9, 25. And it says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, and success, and loses or forfeits himself? Hmm. And um, I remember asking myself during that time, these questions like, well, who am I if I'm not pastor so-and-so? Yeah. Who am I if I'm just like going to stand and like, what does that mean? And the Lord began to just take me through this deep rooted relationship again of loving him and through it, new ministry birthed, yeah. but it took a hardship of stepping back from ministry, not having a place alongside my husband or, or a personal place in leadership. I went back to school. I ended up going to get, um, you know, my master's degree and decided, Hey, well then I'll go back to school. And I began to develop myself as a leader more. So yeah, yeah. out of those challenges always come huge leadership, life and leadership growing spurts. If we allow them yeah, that's you know, to take us on that journey. Few things. One is your brother was the my first uh, mission service was in your brother's church in oh. Hagerstown, and so that would have been way back in two thousand yeah. and. Oof, let's see, I'm getting to tell you how old I am. Been 2002. Um, it would have been the summer wow. of 2002, and so uh, yeah. had special spoke over Heather and I encouraged us. We were young, not that we're, yeah. we're not, we're not young anymore, but anyway, he, it was just <laughs> quite an encouragement. So no, that's number one. Number two is you talked about the the time that you went through that season of, of two years and, and needing that prayer. Wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't taking care of it. And you, to me, what I heard you say, it took a level of courage then to say, Hey, I need help. And I'm going to, where did you find that courage? Because 
I think that's uncommon. You know, a lot of times people will stay in mm-hmm. silence and they won't ask, they won't ask for help. They won't seek help because they can't muster up that courage. So I guess what I'm asking is where did you find that courage to reach out and seek help um, in that time? Mm, yeah, this is a great, great question. I'm not sure where I received that courage. That may have been the prayer, the unseen prayers of people mm. praying for me that I didn't know. Yeah. Um, you know, to be really transparent, um, you know, it could have gone sideways really quickly because uh, depression is a very deep rooted thing. Um, it changes our language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my language during that time was definitely not the woman that my husband met who said, you know, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, whether somebody does it with me or not. I became a completely different person that I'm sure was negative to him as well. Put a big strain on our marriage. Um, I think he gave me the courage, hmm. my Frank did to, to really do that. Um, we loved each other so much. And there came a time when, um, you know, the, the enemy really of our soul could have destroyed us. And, yeah. and then yeah. we're, we're both very grateful people because we look now at what God is doing in our lives and how blessed we are. And uh, so I think um, having a spouse that can come alongside, you can keep that relationship honest and transparent and truthful and really love each other enough to to go through the good bad and the ugly (laughs) together and um there came a point even for him where you know he had to come into counseling with me because um we needed to change together and um but it really propelled us both into a new place um we became better parents we became better pastors um, better leaders all around. Yeah. yeah lessons that we've learned, we learned yeah. in that time. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you for your openness, yeah. openness and your yeah. transparency on that. And I really yeah. believe it will speak, um, to a listener today because, uh, yeah, it, it just, a lot of times is, yeah, there's, I just really believe it well and I appreciate it just to make a little, little shift. Um, women who lead and, and what your focus on, what are some of the obstacles that, that you see, for women in leadership, maybe some that you've experienced, or as you're, you talked about, um, you're a bridge builder um, from yeah. those who have went before, and the ones that are, you know, you said there's phenomenal potential coming. Um, what are you seeing as some, maybe some of the barriers or challenges for the leaders that are coming and and at the present time? Yeah, well, some of the biggest obstacles that women face in leadership, I think, are cultural biases you know, or norms. Um, You think about everything that makes up who we are, our values, our customs, historical narratives, you know, um, the power of our story and how that, how our parents raised us and behavioral patterns that we have. Uh, All of those are big challenges for female leaders because oftentimes what we see is how we view women in leadership Hmm. Um, comes from that place. And so what I've noticed is like, if there's a a team or a staff at a church or missionaries, you know, and uh, there's a a woman in leadership and there's friction there between a male staff team member or whatever, 
and you begin to have that crucial conversation with one another um, as to where this tension is coming from, I have personally found in my personal walk of, of, of being a woman in leadership, it always comes from one of those places. Hmm. Um, so the questions being asked, like, how did your father view women in leadership? How did your mother view women in leadership? Um, did you see women in your community, in your church, actively taking leadership roles? Um, and as those answers differ, it's, it, it's this foundation that, that we perceive the way women should be. One of the stories I have from pastoring, I was um, a worship pastor and a women's pastor at our church. Um, and so being the worship pastor, I had, um, you know, a mixed team. I had men and women on the team and we would do big musicals. And so during the Easter musicals, I wasn't the director of the musicals, but I would direct all the soloists and the ensembles and the choir and things like that. And there's this one gentleman that I love him to death, but he did not like women in leadership. It didn't matter what they were doing, you know? Yeah. And so he was a great singer and a soloist and was in part of our ensembles. And I would meet with the director and Mark and I would talk about direction and I would come back and convey things that Mark and I had talked about or give instruction. And he would never take what I said. He would have hmm. to go and ask, have Mark as a male leader tell him what to do, even if Mark said verbatim what I had said. So, you know, some things came like he would he would call me woman and wouldn't call me by my first name. And, oh, wow. you know, there were things like that. And so it came to a point, I was like, I'm going to need to have a conversation with him, you know, a nice conversation. And it was really good because it, I realized at that point that he had a historical narrative. He had a reason why he felt that way. It was from a child, you mm. know, he was brought up. He didn't see women doing leadership roles. It, I didn't go into the conversation thinking I'm going to change him. Mm -hmm. I just went into the conversation saying, I need to understand where you're coming from. Wow, that's good. That's really yeah. good. And, really good. and so I think what happens a lot of times is we, we want to debate, we want to change people, and it'll take a long time. <laughs> it will take a long time to change cultural biases and norms and values and things in our churches. A great story that I have, I was reading an article from a woman who uh, she, she said that for, she, was, she had never seen women in her church serve in any other role but an administrative role. And uh, so she went to a passion conference and she's sitting at this passion conference and she watches how, like, she's listening to Beth Moore preach under like power and anointing and yeah. giving this word at, you know, in front of thousands and thousands of college students. And the Lord begins to speak to this young woman and plant this like anointing and burden on her. Like, I've called you to do that. Yeah. And she didn't have that example in her past, her cultural norms, right. her values, her historical didn't women just had administrative roles. But watching a Beth Moore preach under the power and the anointing caused this young girl to go back to school, 
get her PhD. She's now a speaker and a writer in the Christian world and doing this bang up job. And so we have to do better at that. Yeah. You know, we yeah. have to do better at that. We have to make women in leadership a normal part of what goes on in our yeah. ministry teams. And um, it's not normal for yeah. many, but it needs to become normal. Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest obstacles. Okay. And so yeah. you're, you're building that bridge then between, between the generation that's coming and the generation that's went before you. Yes. What are some of the challenges of being a bridge builder? Because that doesn't sound to me to be like an easy job. Um, and yeah. so I know that's not a question I, I, I was said we were going to talk about, <laughs> but as you've talked about it, it's made me, if you'd be willing to talk about yeah. it, what are the challenges of, of being that bridge builder? Yeah, um, there are challenges, but uh, I do feel like, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges, I guess, I would say is that you have an older generation who stakes a claim a lot of time. Mm -hmm. at to a younger generation saying um you need to wait your turn mm -hmm. now i don't see that in everyone mm -hmm. but i do see that in some yeah and so that would be one of the biggest changes would be um conversations i call them the crucial conversations mm -hmm. so I, I feel like we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I truly believe there's power in each one of our stories. Mm -hmm. And so if I can get both of those generations together to tell their stories to one another, I feel like that the stories of their life bridge, you know, create a bridge yeah. that is able for this older generation to see the quality and the way a younger generation thinks will truly be the way we need to reach the world. Mm. Um, if not, we're going to lose an entire yeah. generation or generations that are coming behind us. And so it's really important. I think one of the, the biggest obstacles is getting an older generation to feel like they were made to wait their turn. But we can't do that to a younger generation because we'll lose them altogether. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And that's a, a challenging word for sure. Um, because I keep become, as I get older, that means I'm becoming the guy that, that, that sometimes wants to lay my uh, stake and my claim. And um, it's a challenge yeah. for all of us to be willing to grow and be open to that. Yeah. Just want what were some of the role models that you learned uh, that maybe you learned from maybe somebody that mentored you in leadership and what were some of the a lesson or two that were really important for you as you're engaging now um and this new level of leadership um at the network level yeah um well i really didn't have a formal mentor until i went through that last crucible time that i told yeah. you about when we yeah. moved from pastoring to district leadership. Um, and then I did end up doing the uh, leadership intensive with Alicia Britt Sholee for a okay. year and she mentored me. Okay. Uh, so, but when I was thinking about this question, the first, I have several women who have come to my mind. So, and they've each taught me many good lessons. Yeah. But the first one was, I don't know if you remember the quals 
Yes, name for sure. Here. Okay. So we called him Papa Qualls. Um, you know, Brother Qualls, and he was the father of all the Qualls kids there. Yeah. And and Sister Qualls, I called her. I remember going through that hard time as a young pastor's wife and woman in leadership and kind of, I think we were at an event and I was bearing my soul and crying to her. And she looked over at me at the time and kind of took my hand and patted me on the hand. And she said, honey, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Wow. Yeah. And um, at the time I thought, wow, I think she has a point there. Um, I have used this as one of my biggest leadership lessons um, that I learned from her. I, I have the ability to power nap. It drives Frank crazy because he's, he he's not a good sleeper, you know, but I have the ability to be like, okay, if I've got to do this tonight, I just got to go upstairs and I can set my alarm on my phone and just lay back for 20 minutes and go to sleep and wake up refreshed. Yeah. Um, I've made that a practice in my life. So she taught me that. Like sometimes we make it so spiritual and it's yeah. not. It's like yeah. you just need rest. Yeah. You need a nap. You need a vacation. Um, Leisha Britt Sholey, she taught me in that year the power of solitude. Um, prayer yeah. retreating had never been a practice of mine. She taught me that prayer retreating, Sabbath, how important that is. And she, <clears throat> excuse me, helped me to really define that inner self and that core self. You know, she's really a contemplative, Alicia, yeah. and she draws you into that. Uh, Jody Dietrich, she's been a mentor and a dear friend to me. Um, I love this lady because she truly is a Jesus-hearted woman, and she's taught me to be a first clapper, hmm. you know, where you just... Um, you know, don't be that person in the room that cheers everybody on and don't wait for somebody else to start clapping, but you be a first clapper. Um, she's taught me the power of a network. Um, Jody is what I would call a sponsor for my life because she invites me into the rooms where she is invited and the tables where she sits. Hmm. And um, I, I think that's a powerful leadership principle that we you know, mentors are great, coaches are great, but there's this level where sponsors speak about you as a leader. Um, they know you, they know what you're passionate about, they know the pains that you have walked through, and they will bring your name up when you're not even in the room. Hmm. And Jody is a leader. She's done that for many people. She's a leader in that sense. And that's a powerful asset to a oh, female man. leader. You know, because we get opportunities um, not as frequent as our guy leaders do. Yeah. And so that's, that's been a powerful asset to me. And then Beth Grant has been a mentor to me. And um, she's taught me to be truly filled with the spirit. Hmm. And the doors will open wide for you. Um, but she's also taught me how to sit at tables with men mm -hmm. and be heard. Yeah. Um, given me great lessons because she sits in an executive leadership role nationally for our denomination. And um, she has taught me how to, she invited me to be on a uh, committee to review something nationally and mentored me through it and taught me how to review the agenda 
She was like, I don't know that our guy, our male leaders do this, but she said, as a woman, when we come to their tables, we have to learn to be concise in what we say. And she said, writing that out helps her reviewing it, praying over it, um, and going in and being confident to declare kind of what you feel on the subject. And then she taught me as a female, don't cry when I'm sitting at those tables. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. What do you think about that? <laughs> I, I, that's man. We could, we could do a whole podcast on that one. Um, and uh, wow. That's yeah. Interesting. So various mentors in my yeah. life, yeah. women that I've just, They've been my heroes from afar and have been willing to speak into my life. What does you talked about the value of a sponsor and somebody that yes. speaks when you're not in the room? Um, two part question. One, can a male, do you believe males or men could do that for a female leader? Um, and then two, what does it do for a person that um, you talk a little bit about it, but as a, what is the power of, of somebody being your sponsor? You said it, you know, it just makes you feel good, but is there a little bit more, could you unpack that just a little bit more to know mm -hmm. that someone is, is bringing you to the table? Because I think at times we neglect that. Um, it doesn't have to be a male or female thing, but I think sometimes we neglect the power of that. And, um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. if you would, number one, can a male be a sponsor? We'll start there. Can a male be a sponsor or talk about a female and, and, mm -hmm. and help them into the process? Yeah. Oh, well, yes, a male can be a sponsor for a female leader and men need to be sponsors for female leaders. Um, you know, uh, if you're married, uh, you're in, you're, you need to be the biggest cheerleader for your wife when you, or your daughters when you see those leadership um, abilities that uh, are just shining in them. And you need to be sponsors. But also we need other men who will applaud us, who will say great job, who will cheer us on. And so, yes, um, men do need to be those sponsors for female leadership, especially if we're going to have tables be invited to tables to sit and mm. um, rooms to uh, go into that yeah. men are sitting there. Uh, so that is a really important perspective. And then part two of that was, what did you want me to do? Like kind of unpack. Yeah, I mean, just, just, just unpacked. I mean, you, the power of a sponsor, you said, you, yeah. know, we, you talked about that. I just think there's a lot there. I mean, um, and you, you sharing that, but I think it's sometimes it, as leaders, we miss that. We miss the, the opportunity mm -hmm. that we have. Um, uh, yeah. I just think we to, to, to bring yeah. other people along and, and, and walk in the process with something and realizing the impact that we can make can be so much greater if we bring people along with us in the process. And, um, mm -hmm. and honestly, the people we bring along a lot of times will go a lot further than we will ever go. And so anyway, that's, that's what yeah. I just wanted to hear. Yeah. How that makes yeah. you, what it looks like for you. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, networking can kind of be a bad word sometimes. And yeah. I was like, well, we don't want to do that, but our network is so important to us as leaders. Hmm. Um, it feeds our soul. Um, the people that we surround ourselves with, uh, I believe that, you know, Jesus modeled in that he spoke to the multitude, but he had 12, he had three 
the inner circle that he didn't he didn't care that they would see him cry and so yeah. he literally said you three a little yeah. closer to me here um, and then told everything to god and so i've been i think as female leaders we may be a little better at intentionally developing our mentors our models are people in our life that are our sponsors uh and because we realize as women how important that is hmm. to opening doors for us yeah. and as female leaders uh like i said to you it, it's, it's like listing off the people like alicia and beth and jody and i have definitely been invited into rooms that there's no reason in the world aaron why i should be in that room but but because of these women who have had personal time with me hmm. and heard my heart and um feel like in some way i have something to say i don't yeah. see that in myself but a powerful sponsor sees that in us and sponsors are really powerful because for women because you know malcolm gladwell wrote that book about ten thousand hours mm -hmm. and i get this all the time because as we're um, planning events um, at the network and things like that, I'm always reviewing and being like, where are the women speakers here? Where are, and one of the things I hear from some, not all is, well, this is this caliber of an event and we don't have a woman who we feel we can bring in that would, has a name that could carry da da da. da. And I'm like, that's because women haven't been given those opportunities yeah. and i know malcolm gladwell's book in the Ten Thousand hours he talks about that in the sense of they've proven that with music sports but i do believe that we can see that in preaching and teaching and communication and we become better at things the more we do them for sure and sponsors open those doors for you yeah sponsors give you that opportunity to get your ten thousand hours in yeah that's good. They give you that chance so that you can be, you have, they see in you that you have something that the spirit of the Lord has given you to say or to preach, or they've heard you struggle through a message, hmm. but they know that the more you speak that message, the better you'll get. Yeah. That's what sponsors do. For yeah, you. that's good. And I yeah. will just as an experiential, I can't say it's fact, but this is my opinion and my experience. Female leaders are far better at being sponsors than male leaders. Um, yeah. And even I'll just even even for this podcast, if I ask a female leader, if I say, "Do you?" If there are a few people that you would recommend, and you think could add would add high value. A female leader can normally can tell me three or four names really quickly. If I ask my experience, so some guys will push back on this, but my experience, if I ask a guy, well, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. And I'd yeah. say one out of five and I can prove it. They, they don't, the nut, it ever comes back. The guys, mm -hmm. it just seems we can learn a lot from female leaders when it comes to this. And that's why I wanted to hear you unpack it because we got a lot to learn from female leaders and um that is one that would really help us in the process um because you female leaders share friends and share colleagues um yeah. at a much higher level than um than men do and um in my experience so and i'll get some emails on that but anyway it's just part of doing a podcast so anyway last question um what's what's something that you're looking forward 
looking forward to or something that's we talked at the beginning about a challenge what's something that you're excited about as you look to the future for females in leadership mm, yeah um well one of the things personally that i just finished with my directed research um is a uh mentoring relational model for um next generation female leaders a lot of my study that i've done um shows kind of what you were saying you know men normally we won't say all men are not as intentional because they've been given leadership opportunities as a boy i'll give you an example so i was leafing through one of our magazines i love our fellowship i'm a fourth generation okay right. but i was so this is not a right negative we just got to do better with our language but I was leaving through one of ours and the boys and the girls program, I'll just say that, that they have, um, it had it, they were doing an advertisement for it and it said, boys learn leadership and it listed two other things. Girls learn Bible memorization, cooking and on and on. So, mm. um, the language has to change. Um, and so because we as women are not, necessarily groomed at an early age like boys are to be leaders uh we we kind of come late to the table yeah uh, a lot of times what we find is that at youth camps and things like that um boys will feel the call of god they don't necessarily know what that looks like but they have a picture of that on the platform yeah. of what that could look like girls don't and so um we have to get more females into the pipeline. Yeah. We have to. And so what we've done, one of the things I'm really excited about is we've totally revamped everything in our network for women and called it women who lead. Hmm. Uh, the, when we, when we changed our name from women's ministries to women who lead, we got a lot of pushback. Women said, I don't see myself as a leader. So how do I belong here? And I said, do you see yourself as an influencer? Yes, I'm an influencer. And how do you influence? Well, I'm a mom and this, right. Then you're a leader. Yeah. So we yeah. started um, to change the language. We do a big conference every year called the Roar Conference where we simplify the language of leadership. Hmm. We created this what if wall last year on both sides of the, of the, you know, the, the place where we were meeting and had women with sticky notes just dream. What if, mm. what if? So I'm excited about some of the things that are happening to open doors and create a pipeline for women in leadership. And one of those things is, uh, I've just finished writing this six month mentoring um, journey that deals with four things, core self, communion, which is the power of your story, calling and community. Mm. And we talk in community about your network, your sponsors and all of yeah. that. And so um, that's one of the things I'm excited about. Yeah. And I'm excited about in our network that we have um, 18, I think, female lead pastors. Wow. Yeah, wow. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, our ordination classes the past couple of years have been pretty even with female ordination candidates and male ordination candidates. Yeah. So um, I'm excited about some of those things. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate yeah. the intentionality. You know, I, you know, organic people want to say, well, we want to happen organically. And organically, we, we need a lot of intentionality. So I appreciate yeah. the intentionality and um, that what just to 
comment to, I think it was in Harvard Business Review. It said, women, um, men are, are, are promoted if they have enough courage, um, even if they don't have the capacity. And we expect females to have high capacity um, before we'll ever even consider them for leadership. And I appreciate um, your desire to um, see that you know, I, I, courage is a great thing for a guy to have, but he's got to have the capacity too. And, um, and so that we see that and females have it and I'm um, excited about that. Hey, will you pray for us? Pray for the audience yeah. that God will use um, what you shared today and our conversation to speak to uh, workers around the world. Yes. Thanks, Aaron, as well for having me. And um, it's a joy to be here today and I'm going to pray and yeah. Heavenly Father, we just uh, come to you today and we're thankful for the conversation that Aaron and I have had today. Thank you for Aaron that he's invited me to the table to speak what is passionate on my heart for women in leadership and um, leaders, male and female leaders, to become healthy and whole by paying attention to our inner self, the place, the private place where no one sees that. Um, so Lord, I pray for the leaders as they listened to the podcast today, that they would be more intentional about rest, about taking care of their soul, about paying attention to those things. Lord, lead and guide them in that and setting priorities um, and making Sabbath and uh rest an intentional part of their ministry, life, and leadership. And Lord, I pray for the female leaders that are listening to this podcast today. I ask, Lord, that you would give them the courage and the faith to step out. Um, I pray for sponsors to come alongside of them, men and women who will see in them what you see in them and will cultivate that. And that, that Lord, that you will take them to places and they will sit in rooms that they never thought possible. And it will all be because of you and their willingness to go and do the hard things. And we pray for the men as well who are listening, that you would raise up some mighty sponsors for female leaders, um, for their daughters, for their wives, for their sisters and their mothers, Lord. And so we just thank you for that today and um, praise you. May your name be glorified in all that we've said.